0: I hope that every time you walk through the door, you come in with the expectation uh, that God is going to do something for you through his word, through worship, and just being in the presence of your friends and family that love you, your church family. It's encouraging for us to be able to come and to be together and to study together. And tonight, we will begin uh, really Digging into one particular thought, and I expect that we will be here tonight, Sunday morning, and Sunday night, really exploring God's Word in the context of God's Word. Tonight, if we had to give everything a title that we've compiled for today, the title would be Viewing God's Word with Proper Perspective. Viewing God's Word with proper perspective. Um, Part of authentic Christianity, as we've mentioned multiple times, we've defined what, what it is we're looking for in authentic Christianity, that our understanding of our faith is rooted in God's Word. Now, going past that thought, for us to have a proper understanding of God's Word, we must have the proper perspective of God's Word. And where can we find how we as Christians, as believers, are to view God's Word? In God's Word. It's incredible how that works. This is our roadmap for life, and it is the definition of our faith. This is where your faith is defined. The Bible is its best commentary. It holds up from Genesis to Revelation, everything in between. It all works together. And God's Word is so vital for you and for me to have the proper perspective. It's part of us being on the altar as a living sacrifice. It's part of us embracing our peace with God. Uh, Our relationship with God is defined again in God's Word. So this will be the 10th message in authentic Christianity, this series that God's given us. And tonight, Viewing God's Word with Proper Perspective, Part 1. Turn in your Bible to Psalm 119. Psalm 119. This is a powerful chapter when it comes to defining God's Word. This is a very, very important chapter that gives us so many thoughts and really puts things into perspective about God's Word. There's one verse in particular tonight that I want to use and explore, and that's in 119 verse 18. It's on your screen. If you do not have a Bible with you, I would encourage you always to come to church with a Bible and hopefully with something to take notes on. I know we live in a digital world, and I also have a Bible on my iPad. I have a Bible on my phone. But there's something about having the book sitting in my lap being able to turn the pages, feeling those pages, uh, the personal notes I've been able to write in this Bible. The Bible I preach from every Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, uh, the Bible that travels with me when I go preach in other places, is the same Bible I've had since I was 16 years old when I knew God was dealing with my heart about the call to preach. Uh, I would rather lose my Toyota Tundra than I would this Bible. Uh, This is one of the most precious, sacred things in my life. I love... My Bible. And I hope tonight that this study uh, will leave here tonight, all of us, with a better perspective, a better understanding of Scripture, and that we will all leave thinking, my goodness, I love my Bible. I need more of my Bible. Psalm 119, verse number 18 says this Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Open thou mine eyes. The psalmist is asking someone, God, to open his eyes that I may behold the wondrous things out of thy law. Everything that God has for believers, for his children, is wonderful, it is majestic, it is powerful. It is captivating. And when we get a glimpse of the truth from God's Word, sometimes you'll be in your personal reading. Something will jump off the page at you, especially if you're a preacher, a student of the Word, and you uh, have a, a lifestyle that includes reading God's Word. Something will jump off the page, Michael, and it will leave you almost awestruck. Oh my goodness. That means so much to me right now in this moment. It's personal. It almost attacks the flesh and reinforces the faith that God's given you, your regenerated spirit. It so speaks to what's coming off the page. And sometimes in our life, we go through the routine of coming to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, serving, reading our Bible. Years go by, decades go by. And sometimes if we're not careful, Bible reading will become monotonous. It'll become another religious activity. I check the box. I did it because I don't want to feel bad about it later. Let's be honest, we've all been there before. But we never go to God's Word and it return void. We never go to God's Word and find ourselves disappointed. Every time you go to God's Word with a proper perspective, you can leave encouraged, you can leave with better understanding, knowledge, and wisdom to be able to withstand in the age in which you're living. Open my eyes, the the psalmist says, And honestly, this prayer of open my eyes, this is perhaps the most supreme prayer that a student of Scripture should pray. And what this does, what the psalmist is saying in just these few short words, is he's highlighting my inadequacy and he's highlighting the author's sufficiency. In his divinity. In other words, God is wonderful, God is divine, God is holy, and he is able to open the eyes of even fallen men so that they may take part of the kingdom of God and what's available to us in the Bible. And and really, each and every day of my life, my eyes need to be opened further to the truth of God's word. I need today something from God's word. Yes, what I read yesterday is hidden in my heart and it will sustain me. But when I wake up in the morning, I need something new from God's word. I need it. I have to have it. It's not an option anymore if I'm going to be right with my God and if I'm going to be able to withstand what I have to live in in the United States of America in 2021. I want the guardrails of God's word applied to my life daily, and this should be a prayer for all of us to say, God, today, through your word, open my eyes even further than what they were yesterday. Reveal more truth to me. Give me more of you. I want to decrease in my existence, and I want you to increase in existence through me. Open my eyes. And as believers, this is something that we must embrace You must embrace God's Word as the supreme voice in your life. God's Word, the Bible, Scripture, it must be the supreme voice in your life. It has to take precedence over every other thing in this world when it comes to the voice you listen to. And if you want to have real faith, authentic faith, we must wholeheartedly believe that God's word is sufficient for our lives. Remember, I said Sunday that if you lack faith, Somewhere, if you're having a hard time believing that the Bible is real, that it is inerrant, that it is infallible, holy, and inspired, you need to get on your knees immediately and ask God for more faith to believe your Bible. The faith that we have is the faith that God has given us. Remember, we talked about that in these building blocks of authentic Christianity, that if I'm going to believe what's in God's Word, God's going to have to give me something that is not on the inside of me naturally, that I can believe the words that are on the page. It's His faith to give out. You can ask for more faith to be able to believe, but we must wholeheartedly believe that God's Word is sufficient for our lives. And what we embrace and what we hold on to, it'll come out in the wash, if you will. Where you're putting your faith, your hope, and your trust, when life gets difficult, it's not going to be able to hide itself. It'll show. It'll show in the way you respond. It'll show in the way you talk. It'll show in the way that you give. It'll show in the way that you spend your time. And God's Word must be, number one, that voice of supremacy in our life. The lack of acknowledgement by Christians to embrace God's word as perfectly sufficient and perfectly enough is sin. Let me say that again. If a believer, a true believer, lacks the acknowledgement that God's word is in the correct place in your life, if it has taken a backseat to anything else, that is sin. You say that doesn't sound very fair. It's sin because it robs God of his position and his glory. This Bible, these words that are in our Bible tonight, uh, these are God's words. The, what we have in our Bible is what God wants us to have. That's why we have to hold the line when it comes to the inerrancy and the fallibility of God's Word. God chose to put the words that are in these pages on these pages for a reason. And when he gave us this Bible, this word, this love letter to the believer, he gave it to us with purpose. This is not a whimsical idea. This is not just a a thought or an afterthought or an addition. God's word is supreme. And for us to put God's word somewhere where it does not belong down the list of priority in our life and how we regard it and how we respond to it is sin. That's you saying that you have a better way of understanding what should be and that God does not understand who you are or that you don't want to submit to what's found in God's word. That gets everything out of order in the Christian life. Whenever someone comes in my office and they're distraught and they're broken and there is sin or there's heartache, the first thing I want to ask that individual is, where are you in your Bible reading and in your praying? Nine times out of 10, it always uh, responds with this phrase. I haven't really been reading my Bible for a while now. I really haven't been praying for quite some time. That is the slow fade that begins that leads to paths of destruction and pain. The point is God's word must be put in its proper place in the believer's life. And that is supreme. It is the chief place you go And really, if you assess American Christianity, I know it feels like I've been really tough on American Christianity the last couple of weeks, but you have to understand where the American church is compared to where it was 50 years ago. You put into perspective where we were 50 years ago, the church, I'm not talking about the world, I'm talking about the church where we were 50 years ago, to compare to where we are today, God's Word, that's the one thing you can watch. When a church goes down a road it should not go, it's because whoever was standing behind the pulpit began to take God's Word out of its place of importance and plugged in either an opinion or a program or something else, and it gets everything out of whack. And now our entire culture, even church culture, has everything out of whack because we don't have God's Word in its proper place. And that's because God's people have lost perspective on what God's Word really is. And there is a movement in our society. It has massive momentum. Do not think that what I'm getting ready to talk about is... An abstract or a one out of every 2,000. This is a, a movement with great momentum that has deadly consequence. And it's this idea, this movement, it says that the Bible is no longer the sufficient diet for the Christian or that the church should no longer openly embrace the Bible in its entirety That the Bible cannot be relevant anymore. That no longer can it just be the gospel message, but that we really need to embrace culture and change some of the things that we've been saying for generations. That movement is getting more momentum each week because most of that movement lives online. And who lives online? The young generation, the 25 to 35-year-olds especially, are living their lives online. This is taking this generation to a further left sweep, going away from what God has in his word, a design for the church, and it takes God's word out of its place, out of importance. And it... uh, totally disregards what the Bible says about itself. Uh, They say things like the Bible is a flawed document, that it's open for abstract interpretation, and that really some portions of Scripture have no place in modern Christian life. That's heresy. That's heresy. There's no other way to put it. And I don't, I'm not trying to be mean or ugly or aggressive towards people. I feel sorry for those people. And we need to pray that God would reveal that pastor, so called pastor, that he would get a hold of the truth, apologize, and take his church through a year of repentance and preach the truth. That's my heart for those people. But what we have to do, Trinity Baptist Church, is as we grow and as we go forward, is we must be aware of what's being preached on very popular national platforms that your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your wives, your husbands, your friends, your co-workers, what they are ingesting that does not line up with God's word. It comes with deadly consequence. We must understand our faith authentically to be defined by what's in the Bible, the Holy Scripture. And this viewpoint that does so much damage, it's sin. And it's sin of a monstrous proportion to deny the sufficiency, to deny the divine inspiration, to deny the infallibility of the Word of God. It's a sin. And I'm not really sure how someone can stand in a pulpit and call themselves a Christian when they want to deny the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. It does not match. It doesn't line up. Jesus was very clear in his teachings in the New Testament that good fruit came from good trees only and that bad fruit came from corrupt trees only. There was a very, very defined line here. You cannot go and poke coals at the divinity of our God and his word and call yourself a Christian. That's where things have to change. That's why I wholeheartedly embrace that I am a Bible believer through and through. And if you are a Bible believer, then you will follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. We have to define what Christianity is. The church, the real church, has to define how important God's word is. That's on us. And we cannot allow culture, even a postmodern approach to the Bible, to be what's the norm even in the church. In other words, it's time for the church to be the church when it comes to the authority of God's Word. We cannot be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You cannot be ashamed on an individual level to embrace the teachings of God's Word. This is all we have. If we don't have this book, then why are we sitting in blue chairs at 710 on a Wednesday night? The Bible is everything for us. And we must hold the line in our hearts to believe that every single word in this holy scripture is truth and that you can take it to the bank every time. It's what got granddaddy to where he was. It's what got daddy to where he was. It's what got great granddaddy to where he went. And that's heaven. The truth of God's word, the growth, the experience, people being saved. All of that was rooted in the truth of God's word. And if you want to live a life that pleases God as an authentic Christian, if this is more than you attending a church, writing a tithe check, and making a social media post, then God's word has to have the proper place, and you have to have the proper perspective towards God's word. It is vital for our lives. There's already a concerted effort, an attack, an all-out attack on the authority of God's word. It's been planned out. It's been carried out. It's a work of Satan. Remember what I've said for months. Satan fights what he fears. And I promise you that booger fears what's in this Bible. Why is it so hard for you to sit in your home with your hot tea or your hot coffee or your sweet tea and read God's word and absorb it and and go the long distance that you would even with an Andy Griffith episode? Because Satan, the enemy, the concerted effort against your soul and against your relationship with God for you to be salt and to be light is to keep you away from God's word. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. It's the light and the darkness. It's the container that has the gospel, the words of the creator. And he doesn't want you anywhere near it. The Bible is being attacked. It always has been attacked. And now not only is Satan and his crowd attacking it, but now so-called theologians, so-called Christians, so-called pastors, some even, some of them even Baptists or Methodists are attacking the relevancy and the divinity of the actions in this Bible or the God who had it written. The Bible is an absolute. The Bible is an absolute. It cannot be up for discussion. It cannot be up for redefinition and any talk of that in your heart, you have to be honest with yourself and with God and say, Lord, am I where I need to believe when it comes to how I believe what I read in the Bible? Lord, am I believing enough what I read in this scripture? Is my cynical, doubting heart to say, "Mm, I don't really know if that happened? Let's just be real. That is the war that lives on the inside of you that Ephesians 6 talks about. That your flesh is at war with the regenerated spirit of the believer. And if he can poke holes and cause doubt for you to doubt what you're reading on these pages, then he has you by the throat. If you're cut off from the supply chain of what's in God's word, you're in for a broken heart. And what we need tonight is for all of us to say, God, inspect me. Where really, Father, am I when it comes to where I put personally God's word? I'm talking about personal ownership. I'm not talking about what's preached from the pulpit. I'm not talking about what your Sunday school does. I'm talking about what you do, who you are, what your perspective is of Holy Scripture. Where are you and your Bible tonight? Truly, don't, don't give me the, the, the church answer, not the, the, the answer that the pastor wants to hear. Allow the Holy Spirit of God to inspect your heart tonight. Where are you with your Bible? What is your perspective? Is it an ornament that decorates your arm when you come into the church and then it's hard to find the next time you get in the car? If that's where you are with it, number one, I'm sorry that it's taken you this long, but you're going to have to come to a realization that this is your only hope. is what's in God's word. You need to run to these scriptures every day like it is bread and water and oxygen and the very sustenance of life. Because it is. You must consume the scripture to be able to survive in this world. If you do not take in the sacrament, if you don't break bread with God and ingest what he has, then you become what we call of none effect. You become another ornament with problems and issues that you're trying to solve in your own power when you haven't even gone to the master solution guide the first time. That's human nature. You say, that's pretty harsh. I'm having a hard day. I'm sorry you're having a hard day. I'll pray for you. But where is your Bible reading? And if you can honestly say that it's where it needs to be and we still have the issues and we still have the problems, then together let's go into prayer and fasting and follow what the Bible says and not live in some sort of emotional turmoil and constant ebb and flow, but put our faith, hope, and trust in the stability of God's word. If you want emotional maturity as a Christian, you'll find it in God's word. If you want to know how to be the husband, the wife, the student, the employee that God wants you to be, it'll be in God's word. If you want to learn how to be the pastor that God wants you to be and what to preach, it will be God's word every single solitary time. If someone stands behind a pulpit and they preach something, that's not God's word. Turn the channel. It's not worth listening to. God's word. It's everything for us. We must wholeheartedly embrace it. It's not up for discussion. This is our supreme text. This is our line in the sand. It's our guide. It's our map. It's our hope. It's the articles of our faith. The words in this divine book are the very words that God in wisdom and in power willed for us to read for you personally. And this Bible has everything. It's missing nothing. And I believe this book. I do. I believe every single word of this book. I believe every teaching. I believe every parable. I believe everything that came out of Jesus Christ's mouth. I believe that Jesus said what he said when he said it. I defy that there are any contradictions in this book, and I'm hungry for more. That is the perspective we must have when it comes to God's word. Every mention of Jesus in this book stirs my heart. Every name that this Bible has for my God speaks to my soul, and praise God, I have access to it. I have access to my Bible. I don't have to go to my pastor, my priest, or a wise sage to get access to this Bible. I have it. It's for me and it's for you. I hope there's one in your lap tonight. And when I read it, God speaks directly to me through his word, directly to my heart. This Bible corrects me when I'm wrong. It comforts me when my heart is broken. It guides me when I'm confused. It inspires me to live like Jesus. It strikes fear of the Lord deep into my heart. It's my lifeline. It's my hope, my treasure, my bread, my deepest desire, and it contains the very words of my God. This book is sufficient. It's everything that we need. Trinity, we cannot allow ourselves to lose our love and our passion for the word of God. And really, I feel a a strong burden that we must be warned and avoid the things that Satan is using to replace the supremacy of the Bible. Satan has so many shiny things on a stick trying to get our attention off of what really matters. The greatest example is what we're living in right now. It's called COVID-19 and everything that comes with it. If he can get you more concerned with vaccine, no vaccine, mask, no mask, Republican, Democrat, right, wrong, political, this, hateful, that, Fox News, CNN News, Max, Instagram, Facebook, New York Times, that is nothing more than shiny objects to keep God's people out of God's word. You are not of this world. Quit acting like it. This is not your home. Your passport does not say eternally found in the United States. Your home is in heaven. This is a vapor. You're passing through. You're a pilgrim in a foreign land headed to the land of milk and honey where there will be no more sin or division or politics, praise God. This is not your home. This Bible is full of everything you need. This is what you need in the midnight hour. When your heart is crushed and you don't understand why, God will send you a verse in his scriptures when you don't know why you're having to go to the funeral home and you are confused and you're angry and you're mad, the only thing that will help your broken heart is God's Word and the comfort of the Holy Spirit that speaks the loudest through His Word. The Holy Spirit is not some whimsical idea that you'll find on a cable channel. He doesn't have an Instagram account where you can go and follow and Him tell you what to do there but there is a holy Bible with God's words from cover to cover, page to page. And through that, the Holy Spirit of God will speak volumes to you in one minute. A lifetime of sermons can't even touch your personal time in God's word. It must be supreme in our life. And I've prayed all day. I'll just be honest with you. I didn't come to the office today till about five o'clock. Almost 5.30, I guess. Taking in everything our culture is becoming. Taking in everything that even religious programming and Christian broadcasting and all these things that Christianity in America is becoming and processing it and praying and some of these things are months old that have really just alarmed me. Miranda and I have had some real conversations. I've had some real conversations with these other pastors, especially at our planning conference as we assess everything that we do and everything that we are as a church. God's word must be supreme at Trinity Baptist Church. It's why we're here tonight. Miss Margaret, it's the reason you stand in front of your ladies at 9.30 on Sunday morning and teach it because it's worth it. It can change their life. It's powerful. But I do feel an urgency to warn you as my sheep, my people, of certain movements and certain ideas that are growing with great emphasis that do not line up with God's Word. And it is causing havoc in our homes. It's causing confusion in our college students. It's taking some of the most precious women I know and it is stripping them away of their peace and their security of what's real. And that's God's Word. But a few movements that I see that are taking away from the supremacy of God's word. The first that I see, and I hope you're making notes because you need to investigate these. You need to explore them. Parents, if you have teenagers in your home, you need to be aware of everything on this list and know how to respond to it when your teenager comes asking. The first is the manifestation movement. Speaking things into existence. I'm not gonna get into the details of all of this, but there is a quickly growing movement. A lot of what I see is based in Las Vegas, Nevada. It has to do with concerts and events and ballrooms and champagne drinking and all of this uh, allure. it has to do with speaking things into existence, the manifestation movement, that if I want it bad enough, I'll speak it into existence. That goes against God's word. It's trash. Throw it out. The Christian has no business speaking things into existence. We have the business of laying on the altar as a living sacrifice to be used by God for His purpose. And His purpose and His will for your life may not be for you to be a millionaire. This is a very confusing and harmful movement. The second I've talked about before, the health and wealth movement that I would pay a sum or do an action in hopes of getting rich or staying healthy, or that I would send $5,000 for my wife's medical report to come back good. Number one, those people should be ashamed of themselves, preying on weak people or hurting people. God will have something to say about that in eternity, I promise. Number two, it's absolute heresy. It does not come from God's Word. Some of the greatest Christians I know lived some of the most miserable existence on this earth with not a dime to their name and cancer-ridden bodies. But they love Jesus. And health and wealth, it infuriates me righteously. And it's not real. Real. It hurts the body of Christ. Stay away from it. Don't even allow yourself to listen to anyone who embraces it. It's heresy. The third is extra biblical healing. These people that will go into communities, they robbed the Billy Graham Association of their model. They raise the money. They go into cities. They pray especially on minority communities. They go in and take as much money as they possibly can. They've even got a system now where they can take your EBT food stamps if you want to be a part of these healing services. It's extra biblical, and those people are false teachers. God is the chief physician, not Benny Hinn. And we as a people need to be warned of it, and we need to guard ourselves. The last I'll speak of tonight, free grace or radical grace movements. These simply are a form of godliness that deny the power thereof. A man, a woman, a child can not simply say a few words or sign a card and have no change. Signing a card and continuing to live in sin, no change, no turning to Christ away from sin. That's not salvation, and that's not being a Christian. This movement, it so depends on twisting scripture or simply avoiding the true God of the Bible. And we need to be warned, and we need to veer away from it. One popular pastor that most of you will know named Stephen Furtick recently posted this statement. Following Jesus doesn't change you into something else. It reveals who you have been all along. What would it be like to see you the way that God sees you? You say, Winston, you shouldn't mention names. Church, we're way past being worried about names. And when someone has a platform that reaches even into the hearts of this church and says something so egregiously against the gospel of Jesus Christ, I promise you I'll call his name. He forgot about this verse, 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You change. You change. The Greek word is metamorphosis, that you literally become something that you were not. To answer the last part of his statement, how God sees us before we are saved, before we are changed, Romans 5.10 says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, Jesus, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. You change if you've been saved. The old man's gone. The new man lives. And God sees sinners that do not have the precious blood of his son applied to their heart as enemies, according to Scripture. Ask Pharaoh. I say this in love. And my hope and my prayer is that this pastor will repent and correct the error of his way. But when it affects the families and the church members and people that I love, and you have a national platform with millions of followers and millions of dollars to spread that, you must call it what it is, and it's wrong. An incredible teacher, an incredible Bible scholar named J.I. Packer, he had this to say in one of his writings. Certainty about the great issues of the Christian faith and conduct is lacking all along the line. Think of this now. The outside observer sees us staggering on from gimmick to gimmick and stunt to stunt like so many drunks in a fog, not knowing at all where we are or which way we should be going. Preaching is hazy, heads are muddled, hearts fret, doubts drain strength uncertainty paralyzes action we are much unlike the first christians who within a century won the roman world for christ we lack certainty why is this we blame the external pressures of modern secularism but this is like eve blaming the serpent the real truth is that we have grieved the Spirit. And for two generations, our churches have suffered from a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. J.I. Packer ended that quote by saying, We stand under divine judgment. That's a tragic truth. That's where we are. That's where we are itching ears, words that feed the flesh, and not the truth of God's word. And we must guard ourselves, we must guard our families our teenagers, those for whom we are responsible from anything that comes under the guise of Christianity that does not hold true to the Word of God. We must. And we must be certain of what we believe is rooted in the truth of God's Word. Tonight, we talked about the sufficiency of Scripture. We will continue with a few more of these points, these characteristics of God's Word. I want to give you a couple of verses, and then we'll go home. Second Corinthians 9.8 and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. All sufficiency. Remember now in secular Greek philosophy, there was this idea it was a pride, a pride thing, self-contentment, that if I can find true happiness from something that I can make up in my own mind, that that's real happiness. That was Greek philosophy. That was the culture of the day. Incredible how they compared to the culture of today. But it placed emphasis on what you could do for yourself and then that you could be that source of contentment, that that was true happiness. And what I love is that the Apostle Paul, as he writes this, he sanctifies the secular term. He takes it from the world and he turns it on them. And he makes it very clear that it's, God that satisfies, it's God that supplies, and not man. And God's word is the only place where you will find real contentment and true happiness. There's nothing you can drum up within yourself. That's what that manifestation movement so needs to work, that you're able to drum up an emotion to be able to speak things into existence. That's not of God. God is the author and the finisher of our faith and the supplier of our contentment and our happiness. Our sufficiency is not from men or movements or pages online. Our sufficiency is not from human wisdom. Our sufficiency is from God as defined in his word. And this is the last thing I want to leave with you. I'll pick up the rest of this Sunday morning. Our sufficiency, what does that mean? This is where we are end. Our sufficiency as it relates to God's word, that means that Our capability of living life in God's plan to the maximum comes from him. In other words, because we are Christians, we live in an environment in which the resources for life that we need are divine. Praise God for that. In other words, I don't need to rely on myself. The divinity of God and who he is provides what I need, the resources. And those resources are found in his word through the indwellment of the Holy Spirit. This is our culture in which we live and operate. This is where we get our guidance from life. And if you want to live your life to the fullest, to the maximum for God, it will all be defined. It will all come from your contentment and your happiness with God's word that you have the faith to believe it, that you have the strength to submit to it, and that you obey it every single time. Raise your hand tonight if you love Jesus. Goodness gracious, almost everybody in the building loves Jesus. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And you can find those in the morning in your personal prayer and devotion time in God's Word. We must have authentic faith, authentic Christianity as defined by God's Word, but that will not come until we have proper perspective of what God's Word really is. Heavenly Father, God, thank you for tonight. Thank you for these incredible verses of truth that we find in your Word tonight. Encourage our hearts tonight, God. Give us more faith. Open our eyes even more widely to the truth of your word. God, for where we have failed you, God, we ask that you would grow us. Lord, that we wouldn't be the same as we were yesterday or today. That we would grow closer to you in the grace and the wisdom and the knowledge that's available to us through your word. God, I pray that this study tonight, especially, Father, Lord, that it wouldn't harm anyone. God, that it wouldn't cause any strife. Lord, that it would simply show us our need and our necessity for the truth of your word. And Father, that we would be willing to make difficult statements for the cause of Christ. Father, that we would examine ourselves on where we stand with our Bible. God, I pray for a culture of unity in our church that is built on God's word and the truth that's found within. Change us all tonight through the power of your Holy Spirit and the truth in your word. Protect us. Give us a wonderful rest of the week as our hearts anticipate the goodness of the Lord's Day together back in this house. Protect our e-church, our online church. Be with them tonight. Encourage them as they study your word at home as they worship with us from a distance. God bless them. Be with our pastor emeritus tonight as he recovers, Father, from many, many miles on the road this week. Thank You for the doors that You have opened for Him in His new ventures of life and ministry. We give You all the praise, all the glory, all the honor. It's in Jesus' name that Trinity Baptist Church said together, Amen.